And welcome to the first episode of the Noisecast for 2018. This year we are back and what I'm doing different from this from the past year is I'm going to have a little more accountability to uh, the frequency of this podcast. So it is uh, the last Sunday of January 2018 and going forward you can expect to, to hear a new episode on or about the last Monday of the month. Um, so as we jump into that, I just want to introduce my co-host this evening, Paul. Hey guys, I'm Paul Combs. I'm a huge tech enthusiast. I co-host the CNC Geekcast. I'm a longtime friend of Alberto's and it's just happy to be here. Awesome. And I am happy to have you uh, co-hosting again. Um, we did this a couple times uh, over the last couple years, um, and again, like you know, I've, I, we all get busy and things kind of fall off. But now um, it's New Year, and we're gonna definitely be moving forward uh, with the podcast, and also um, just we're putting a little more content up on the website. So look forward to that in February when we'll have at minimum uh, two po- uh, two posts per week, um, mostly around. Uh, reviews and kind of news recaps for the week um so kind of look forward to that and if uh you've forgotten for some reason it's www.thenoisecast.com um and you can find us on facebook and instagram and twitter and everywhere else pretty much at the noisecast so um yeah so let's just jump into it um it's it's a new year uh what's been going on with you paul mainly just work i have my main podcast that i do i started up a D campaign with some friends that's having a lot of fun and just just trying to live life i actually uh, have a wedding this year though that that is a kind of a big deal yeah that's kind of a huge deal um yours yeah my my wedding i was actually ordained a wedding last year for the first time that was a lot of fun couple of my good friends but this year i've been engaged going on two years now so it feels strange saying hey i have a wedding this year now because i've always said uh, 2018 but now 2018 is finally here awesome man congrats um and again i wish you guys um the best i'm really happy for you guys i remember when you made the announcement um and i do hope um that everything works out and i know weddings can be stressful so i hope that you guys uh you know uh, stay focused on, on just kind of making sure that you guys are, are enjoying yourselves and having a good time with that. Um, also, shameless plug, you guys looking for a photographer? I travel, you know. <laughs> we would be, but we actually just booked a photographer like two days ago. Uh, it, it was a high school friend of hers. And okay. she, her high school friend actually did her boudoir shoot. Boudoir. Oh, very nice. I don't know how to say that. I have a hard enough time with English, let alone French. <laughs> uh, that's close enough. Um, no, but boudoir is actually cr- right on the money. So you absolutely nailed it, man. But she did that as kind of a trial run for this photographer. And mm-hmm. she was really happy with that. So we cool. decided to use the same photographer for a wedding. And we just pulled the trigger on that. I think it was two days ago. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, like, everything is getting very real right now, right? Everything's getting super real. I actually just made a decent payment yesterday, and that was, it just cemented everything. So, it was like, wow, this is actually happening. 
Man, that that's awesome though. Um, like I know, like again, I I know it can be very stressful, but again, I I say congrats to you guys. I'm sure everyone listening is pulling for you guys. So, um, yeah, definitely. That is that is a hell of a way to start the year, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely a way to kick it off. This year has already been started off. It's kind of started off on a high note though, so I'm not I'm not going to complain. Just hoping the rest of the year continues to not go downhill. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. We definitely want the best for you guys. Um, so outside, well, anything after that point, I feel like it's just kind of like very, very menial. So I, I got to say, um, yeah, this year on this end just kind of started off um, really just kind of doing like a little um, introspective thinking and just kind of deciding what it is I wanted to do with the noise cast. And I decided that um i was trying i was doing too much i think um before i was trying to make the website work i was trying to you know get people to come on and and you know chat with me about tech and whatever was going on and i realized that i may have stretched myself a bit thin um because outside of here um i am a um i'm a full-time social media manager and um a part-time uh blogger and photographer so that's a lot of hats to wear and sometimes you know you kind of chase the check instead of doing what what you need to do so i said let me scale it back and really just start focusing on doing this again and getting this off the ground and hopefully um you know can get it to a point where it's kind of moving on its own and we can get like a, a more diverse cast of characters popping through here and there um so some interesting stuff coming up uh before i I, t- I get into what we were gonna talk about a little later on in the show there are some reviews forthcoming uh, mostly photography related so if you're interested in photography or at least uh cameras you're gonna want to um stick around for that um but next month we will be uh checking out uh epson's uh spring fashion week event so that's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um fashion is not really in my wheelhouse, but I will have someone uh with me who knows a little bit more about it than I do and you know we'll be bringing that back next month. So that's something to look out for. Um uh and Paul real, real quick, uh what was uh, the last episode of, of the CNC Geekcast? We actually did an episode on uh, Star Trek. We, partly we did that because it was my partner's birthday, so it was the whole thing like, hey, you pick a movie and we talk about it. I've never been a Star Trek fan, so it lent itself to a very good discussion because he was able to talk about like uh, Star Trek going, going from that point because it was Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which was the last movie with the kind of the original cast. So he right. was able to talk about it from that perspective. Hey, I grew up with this original cast. This was a send-off for them. He was able to talk about how he felt about that. And I was able to talk about it as a newcomer. It was a very interesting conversation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say, like, I, um, you had two Collinses uh, on the podcast for that one. Um, I did recently uh, listen to that, and I actually had, had a blast. Um, I also tend to be on the Star Wars side and not on the Star Trek side. So it was, in, I, I really like felt where you were coming from with a lot of like your, your points of view and, and you know, um, just kind of how you broke down that movie. So 
Um, I did happen to see it. Um, I think everyone should really um, check out the podcast. Um, also, make sure to check out the movie if you haven't. And if you have, definitely, you know, uh, check it out again and then check out the podcast. You guys are going to have a lot of fun if you do that. Um, so, speaking of fun, uh, one of the things that we really wanted to do this, this time around was, um, you know, I, I recently started picking up video gaming again. Um, and I can't say it's any kind of, like, hardcore gaming. It's, like, I'm on my PS4. It's hooked up to the TV. I don't have to worry about, like, you know, remembering what my Steam um, login was um, and worrying if, you know, I can play the latest game. It's just, like, whatever's there is, is there. And I recently got hooked on uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and I and as you may already know, it, it did not get great reviews, not because of the gameplay or any of those kind of... Um, I guess, like, uh, hardline specs. It was more so because of the uh, loot crate controversy that, that came out from it. So, um, Paul, you want to just jump into this one? Well, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Actually, I was really looking forward to that game. I would wanted to play Star Wars Battlefront when it was released on PlayStation 4, but the lack of single-player campaign kind of made it where I completely ignored it because I'm more of a single-player-focused guy. But getting into Star Wars Battlefront 2, it looked remarkable from the trailers. I remember watching the the first trailer and being kind of blown away by it. But then everything started coming out about the amount of uh, in-game purchases required, the loot boxes and all that, and kind of even the pay-to-play or the pay-to-win. Because I know yeah. you can, you can <laughs> yeah. I know you can basically level over other people that aren't playing or aren't paying. Just by paying a little bit more money, and thus you have the better character. Yeah, it's it's um it's kind of it's been absolute crap um lately to be honest with you because it's not even that this is something that's been exclusive to EA. I know uh, EA caught a lot of flack for it, but this has been a long-standing problem. I'd say for at least two years, and I guess like now it's really starting to kind of gain steam. Um, one of the biggest um offenders of that in the last generation was um i don't know if you remember the uh, street fighter cross tekken uh release um I've, I've never been a fighting game person so i didn't really see that but i i'd heard i heard about it a little bit that street fighter had that mechanic yeah, so basically with the uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken um release one of the one of the big i guess um uh, what, what they called their the fighting system revolved around these gems and so you know the way it's sold it's like oh you know you play and you can unlock these different gems and these different abilities um, but what ended up happening was if you got like you know the I think the the disc release was something like 60 bucks or whatever it retails for but if you pre-ordered and got some kind of deluxe edition you got you know, like 20 gems that other people could never unlock. And, you know, like it completely like switched like the dynamics of, of, of the game. So if you were one of those people who shelled out a hundred bucks at the, you know, at launch, you already had a leg up over everyone else who was going to, who was just starting with kind of, you know, with the, the bare bones $60 um, release. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, publishers seem to be pushing this whole idea that they're, 
oh, you get new character, you get a different character, or you get a different um, skin for a character, but, you know, when you tie these different kind of, um, essentially, you power up a character to the point where, you know, there will be unbeatable by someone who went and purchased the game flat out. Um, well, I guess not flat out, but rather like the, the non-deluxe version of the game, it creates this, it, it creates a really bad um, online dynamic. And essentially, I really gave up on the game because um, I was getting smacked. I, you know, like there's no other way to say it. It was just like, I'm, it, it wasn't fun. It was, it, you're constantly, you know, um, getting handed these L's and you're just like, well, forget it. I'm not even going to waste my time with it anymore. Um, the, thing, the thing that annoys me even more than the in-app purchases, like where you buy to level up your character, is the loot boxes where you kind of buy and hope to level up your character. But it's you're basically gambling your money away, hoping that you get that, that thing you're looking for that makes your character stronger. But then there's the chance that you may just throw away however much money you invested. Oh, yeah. And that's really like the big... And you know that takes that takes that that idea and then just like absolutely amplifies, you know, just how horrible like that that gaming economy is, um, you know. So the big controversy with with Star Wars Battlefront Two, for those that don't remember, it's that you know you not only had this whole oh there's a huge difference between people who purchase the regular game and the deluxe version, but now you have this loot crate system where. As as you mentioned, Paul, you know you're putting real money um, into this game, and you're not even getting the abilities that you think you're gonna get. It's you're hoping you're getting these abilities, and so it's just like you know how much are you really gonna end up paying over the course of you know the game's life. So it actually it actually fills my uh, growing up my mom's boyfriend. This this is gonna feel not related for a second, but growing up my mom's boyfriend used to play those video poker machines. In oh the, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the convenience store. Yep, yep, And yep. the ones that kind of gave you those tokens that weren't real money, but you had to pay real money to get it, that's exactly what those loot crates reminded me of. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, because I was actually, I spent this past week just looking for an article that I can't seem to find anymore, and if somebody can, out there can send me the link to that article, I'd be greatly appreciative of, of it. Um, but essentially, there was an article where they were speaking to uh, some guys who used to program the slot machines in Vegas, and they quit to um, do loot crates for video games. So, you know, if you, if you can go and say, mid-career, and say, this doesn't make any more money for me, but EA or, and Blizzard and whoever else... Um, can give me like a, a a payday that that says a lot i mean like this isn't this isn't just a theoretical oh it's kind of like vegas it's like no they hired the vegas programmers to you know design their loot crate systems and it makes so, it oh, yeah, i'm sorry ahead. i wasn't trying no, no, to interrupt no no go ahead go ahead it, it makes it even more shady because it feels like these are aimed at children like 14 15 year olds who may not understand that hey i'm gambling because, for oh, yeah. example, ga gambling's banned in a lot of places. Like, even Atlanta. Uh, there was a lot of controversy recently because Atlanta was trying to get a casino. But mm -hmm. then everybody, a lot of citizens spoke out against, say, casino. But then you look at the game. So much of it is basically kind of the same thing, and people are just ignoring it. Especially since it's aimed at children. Like these like these preteens who may not understand that, yeah, I'm basically gambling 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's a, a very, very um, dangerous thing because um, you're, you're creating behaviors in people who are very, um, like they're at a point in their mind, uh, in their lives where their minds are very um, malleable. You know, you can shape them. You can, you can create um, lifelong habits, you know, it, and, you know, it's a real scary thing because, you know, we're, I wouldn't be surprised if in, you know, maybe five, ten years, you're going to see a bunch of, like, people in their early to mid-twenties who are going to have serious gambling addictions, you know, it, it's, it sounds, it sounds a little um, far-fetched and maybe a little alarmist, but if you think about it, the habits that they're learning now, which is, you know, right now it, it may seem harmless because it, it might be, you know, a 99 cent in-app purchase on their phone or tablet or, you know, a $2, um, you know, purchase on, on their gaming system, you know, that can very quickly snowball into, you know, running in, you know, blowing a check at a racetrack. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a very fine line. Well, and, you it know, definitely but, can. One of, yeah. my, one of my favorite YouTube uh, channels actually did a very interesting video about it. Well, they de delved more into like the brain chemistry and everything behind it. Uh, it mm -hmm. does give the same rush of dopamine that a lot of other activities do that would provide happiness. It isn't out of the realm of possibility to believe that children who are susceptible to this will be more prone to gambling at a later age. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't feel out of the realm of possibility to me. Yeah, no, it, it's it's nuts, man. And, you know, again, I think one of the biggest things is just like, yeah, on the one hand, I totally agree um, with the, uh, I guess, like the more uh, libertarian stance of, well, you know, parents should watch what their kids are doing online. And yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. But at the same time, um, there should be some responsibility, especially if you're making money from it, well, you know? Well, parents... It I'm not going to completely blame parents just because a parent may see it. Their parent's going to pay their kid's phone bill, but they not may not pay attention if it's only like eight or ten bucks a month or so. Like yeah. let's say they only spend a ninety nine cents a go, but they're only doing it. They're still doing it in moderation, eight to ten bucks. A lot of people are going to overlook that. I know I waste a lot more than eight or ten bucks in a month sometimes, mm -hmm. so it's not hard to believe that a parent may overlook it. I'm. Truthfully, I'm not a libertarian at all. That's that's not my principles. I think at a certain point, it's just more. That's the not more thing to do is take advantage of these children, basically. Yeah, and and look, I I'm right there with you, man. Um, you know, as far as that goes, it's just like you can't sit there and have this whole um kind of laissez-faire attitude towards it because there's a reason why, um, you know, in advertisements for kids you know they'll say you know the character doesn't actually move by itself you know like you will not get um all these toys with the one playset thing um you know there's a reason for that it's because a, a child you know a child's mind works differently from the adult mind they you know they have um their expectations are different and therefore like you know you do have to you know um make sure that you're you're doing the right thing and not taking advantage of them. So, you know, that being said, now I'm going to sound like a hypocrite, Paul. <laughs> what did you what did you do? What what did you do? Yeah, so um 
now that we spent the last 15, 20 minutes um, talking about how terrible all this in-app in purchase stuff is and how uh, video game companies should be a little more responsible, I am going to give Capcom another $30 for the same Street Fighter V title that I bought maybe a year and a half ago. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, um, that's my poison. Um, I, I, as you can tell, I'm a big uh, fighting game fan. I'm maybe... It might be time for an intervention, but at the end of everything, you know, uh, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition uh, was released earlier this week, um, and to kind of get people hooked, they um, they unlocked the Sakura character um, from the 26th through, I believe, the 6th of February. Um, so basically for 10 days, you get to play with this unlocked character. And then afterwards, um, you know, all the quote unquote fight money that you, that you've, um, gained and however much you leveled up that character will disappear until you pay $30 for the season three pass and you start the whole thing all over again. So I'm a sucker. I'm going to end up paying the $30 and continue going on with this and still say that they're um really grimy for doing this no, but that, that is shady as hell just i don't hate dlc i've actually bought a few season passes in the past truthfully i can love dlc sometimes for example there was a game came out a couple years ago called die in light and they released a dlc that was some dlc that was just fantastic mm -hmm. it was like it was like thirty, like an additional thirty percent of the game, you got to play, whole new wow. ending, everything. Yeah, see, I don't mind that. Like that makes sense. You know, like if you're gonna do something different, like I think, um, what was it like, Red Dead, Red, um, oh, sorry, Red Dead Redemption, um, was really good at that. Like I, I don't know if you remember, um, that open world kind of like I remember that it was an open world western. I never played it, but it, I'm actually disappointed I didn't play it because it looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was one of those games where I think um, as more DLC for it came out, it became a better game. Um, but each, you know, each additional DLC purchase, I felt added to the game as opposed to, you know, like Capcom where they're giving you, you know, three new characters. It's just like give us the, the, the whole game. And, and, you know, to make it worse, later this year, they're going to have like a 25th anniversary of, um, I think, Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter Alpha. And they're going to basically re-release all these old games and they're going to like bundle them into one download and charge you the same 60 bucks that they've been charging you for every new game. So it's just like... And what's sad is that, you know, I seriously sat there and I was like, hmm, am I going to buy this game for the X number of time? And well, Admittedly, yeah. that doesn't bother me as much if they remaster it and everything and do the whole nine. Just because I did that with the God of War series on the PlayStation. A few years ago, they released God of War 1 and 2 and they remastered it and was like, it was 60 bucks too, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, you know, we all have the things that, that we enjoy and that we love, you know. Um, I'm not, it's not to kind of, and I say that to, to say this, I'm not going to sit on my high horse and act like I've never done it. You know, I'm like, I, the, the things that I enjoy, I enjoy, 
But again, there's there's that difference between, you know, being adult and being cognizant of what's going on. It's just like with the loot crates, it's like, guess what? I'm going to grind it out because whether or not um, I get everything that, you know, is hidden in the game, I'm not going to care. Like, <laughs> you know, once I, I'm done with the campaign mode, I'm going to be like, yeah, I got my 60 bucks worth. And I think I paid less because I think it was on um, it was on sale in December. Um, part of like that whole 40, 40 to 60 percent off sale. I got it for 40 percent off. So I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like I've made I, I've gotten my money's worth. Well, have you ever bought a loot crate? Um, well, like the like the loot crate service. Well, I'm talking not loot crate. I'm talking about in a game. Just like... oh, it, yeah. Yeah, I've done it. Um, okay. Just like, yeah, and it's just like kind of like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah, I'm not going to do this again. And that's kind of like been my attitude. But then again, I'm a terrible gambler because um, when when I was at CES a few years ago, it's just like I put maybe $20 into a slot. And then after the $20 was done, I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually the way to be, though, because that was the same way with me. Uh, I play a game called Rocket League. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah, lots of fun. Okay, I, and they started, like, the loot crates where you could buy to unlock different cars and unlock different skins and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last year, when I was still super into it, I set myself a mount for the loot crate. I was like, I was, I would try it this many times, and if I don't get what I want, I think it was the super cool car scan or something. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I didn't do it anymore. I was like, that, that was it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with... Um you know, spending additional money on something that you enjoy, right? So, like, you know, I, one, I, it's it's not really apples to apples comparison, but like, for example, if if you're if you're into photography, you're not just gonna spend, you know, the money on the one camera and the one lens. You're gonna like experiment, try different things or whatever, and then hopefully you get what you want. But you know, it's a it's a little bit different because it's more tangible. It's not like you're going to you know Adorama. And saying, hey, you know, here's $500, you know, and then maybe they give you a $500 lens or they give you a $10 plastic toy lens, you know. Um, but, you know, we all spend money in, in our hobbies and, and we do and we do get some joy out of it. So um, I think as long as you're you're getting the joy out of um, whatever it is that you do, but doing it responsibly, no harm, no foul. That's That's exactly the way to look at it. As I said, my main issue isn't, like, the loot crates themselves, and it's when they're aimed at children. I just think there do do need to be changes made in regards to that. Like, there do need to be a certain age or something like that. I don't, I, honestly, I don't know how they would restrict that. But it is something that I think they should investigate, is ways to limit children's... Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, and it's, I think one of the things that... that one way you could go about um, putting some sort of restriction on it would be to, let's say if you're, let's say like Star Wars, right? And, and it, I don't want to make it seem like we're picking on Star Wars because obviously, you know, Rocket League had a similar um, system. Um, I know for a fact a lot of these um, MMORPGs um, have similar systems as well. Um, but that being said, it's like if, Star Wars has, like, say, a teen rating, you know, maybe the fact that it has a loot crate system um, to level up, maybe that should bump it up to a mature level, you know, and it may seem heavy-handed, but again, you were talking about um, 
creating gamblers versus, you know, adults who, who should have this sense of mind to say, you know what, nah, I spent $20 on, you know, fake money. I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to do this anymore. That, that's actually not a terrible idea. I mean, I know a lot of people would still overlook the ratings, but at least it would be doing something as opposed to just ignoring the potential effect these could have on children or young adults. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think, you know, um, for every, you know, every household that may say, well, you know, I don't care whether, you know, I'll buy my kid, whatever. Um, there are going to be people who are going to look at those ratings and say, mm, I don't know if, you know, 11, 12 year old Jimmy really needs, you know, a mature title on, on their game. So, you know, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's a reasonable and uh, relatively harmless way to, to go about, you know, just balancing things out. Yeah, I think, I think that would be something like that would be cool. So it would definitely be cool to do something. Yeah, like I, um, like I said, you know, I'm, and, I, and I guess I say this because, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and it's just like, yeah, no one's going to really, you know, say, oh, you know, let's see some ID, you know, should you really be playing this game? But at the same time, like, you know, uh, I think it's it's we gotta we gotta draw the line somewhere, and I think you know kids gambling with pretend money or real money, I don't think that's something that we should really be um, really be pushing for. Well, so, go ahead. Well, what else we got on the docket today? Well, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna keep it short, and I think that's one of the things that I, I really want to do uh, with the noisecast going forward. I like kind of keeping you know keeping the conversation moving. And one of the things that I, I really want to go and really just ask folks is what is the latest piece of uh, tech or um, what's the, the most used tech that they've had um, recently? So uh, anything new you, you're working with, Paul? I had to buy a new router recently. I had a nice router for a few years. It was like a Asus Nighthawk, I believe it was. Oh, nice. It was, it was really nice, but it wasn't quite fitting my needs. And then it had some, the model I had, it had some hardware issues with it overheating and completely losing signal, turning itself off. It mm. was, it was bad. Yeah, that so, sounds like, like it would suck. So recently I actually invested in a mesh router system because I'd heard good things about it. Okay. And within my house is I actually have kind of can use my basement as a studio so it's important for me to have good Wi-Fi in the basement. I'm actually in my basement now. Oh, awesome. And uh, so I'd invested. I was doing my research. I did everything. And I actually bought the Google Wi-Fi. Oh, how do you like it? I've been, I've been really, really thinking about it. Um, so I, I live in an apartment, so I don't have the basement issue. But one thing that I do have is I do have um, a lot of walls. So, like, the signal tends to drop off, like, towards the bedroom. It, uh, it is... It is yeah. great because I have my router. I had my router in my living room previously, and then my, the master bedroom's on the complete opposite end of the house. So I was having issues with even losing strength back there. But the, what I got was the three pack. So I put a, one in the spare bedroom, mm -hmm. I put one downstairs. I now have like fantastic Wi Fi all over the house, and it's, it's life changing. No, oh, that's awesome, man. I think like I've really, really been trying to, like, I've been kind of back and forth on it. I'm like, do I really want to spend that kind of money again? I'm like, I have a good enough router right now, but 
I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm really, really leaning towards just kind of going that route. Or um, I'm trying to remember what's the name of the 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 other one. Not 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 the Google. There's um, the there's the Netgear Orbi. There's the Eero. Eero, that's the one I was looking for. Yeah. So you know, like I've heard good things about the um, uh, the Eero uh, Wi-Fi. The mesh Wi-Fi system, um, mainly that it's very easy to put together, and I was thinking about um, picking that up for uh, for my folks, for my parents, um, mostly because uh, they have a multi-story um, home, and I'm tired of kind of like being their tech support guy and getting that call like, hey, I don't get um, Wi-Fi in this room, why not? <laughs> well, if you're looking at ease of setup, I'm not like being trying to be a Google shill, but this was probably one of the easiest setup experiences I ever had with the PC technology. Yeah, cool. Like cool. there's, I'll... they have an app dedicated to it, and you basically just follow the instructions. And awesome, it, man. And it's all controlled by the app. You don't have to worry about going to the settings. You don't have to worry about opening the browser and going to go into typing in the IP address to access settings. It's all in the app. It tells you the speed, the quality of the mesh. It tells you who's on your device at the moment. You can actually restrict devices, like if you have children, right from the app. It is it is remarkably cool. I mean, it That's doesn't awesome. have a lot of the more advanced settings. Like if you're someone that needs uh, port forwarding or things like that, it may not be the best bet for you. But for most people, myself included, it is perfect. Yeah, uh, I'm probably never going to need um, port forwarding, um, so that sounds like a really good deal. Um, and, you know, uh, for, uh, on my end, one of the things that, that I've recently um, be, uh, been playing around with is uh, I got a new camera in uh, from the folks at Olympus. They uh, sent me one for review. Uh, it's the Olympus OMD 10 mark three so first let me just say i hate hate the naming conventions for a lot of these cameras and i'm not going to beat up olympus on it um because they're not the only ones that have these really really convoluted um name structures um i i blame canon mostly for it because they they really got the ball rolling when uh you know they instead of giving like say their flagship camera a brand new name they just said oh we're gonna call it the mark ii we're going to call it the Mark III. Well, now now their flagship is up to the Mark V. So, <laughs> so you know, it, it's one of those things that I hate because when you go to Best Buy or to a camera store or wherever you, you look for these things, no one's ever going to remember that. And it, it really kind of detracts. I, I feel like it becomes overly intimidating for, um, you know, non-professional or high-level enthusiasts. Um, if you're just a person who wants something better than their smartphone, when you walk into Best Buy or or Walmart or you search Amazon, you know, like these long names are, number one, you're not going to remember it. And number two, they're, they're a little intimidating. So um, that being said. Honest question I, as a non-camera enthusiast. I actually don't understand why that's an issue. Don't Isn't that kind of like what phones do? Like Samsung's Galaxy series, like they kind of just use the same name and update it year after year. Well, um, yes and no. So the all right. So let let me just break down Olympus's, um, I guess like 
enthusiast level camera. So like this is considered your entry enthusiast camera. It's the EM10. And then they have um, some something that's a little more robust and it's the EM5. And then you have their flagship, which is the EM1. And this doesn't make any sense because in, in your mind, which is the newer camera? The EM10. Okay. I can see why that's confusing. Yeah, I can. <laughs> and then, you know, like, oh, and again, like, I'm going to be fair about this. Um, if you look over to Sony, the, uh, the Sony A6300 is older than the A6000. Why? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I understand your concern now. I wasn't clear on that before. Admittedly, I'm not a camera enthusiast. I used my smartphone, so. Yeah, yeah. No, and like I said, like it's one of the, like I said, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you either enjoy, um, you know, you enjoy what you enjoy, and you you tend to kind of like really like dive deep into those things. So like, I I really care about like the naming conventions for these things because, um, one of the questions that I often get, um, is oh I'm going on vacation I want to buy a camera, um, I see the pictures you take what camera do you you know are you using. And that's always a hard question for me to answer because I, I'm not one of these people who, um, like most photographers say, oh, like I only shoot Canon, I only shoot Sony. Um, I literally shoot with whatever I have at the, at the moment. And, you know, that can be a 1960 uh, Canon QL17 um, that I recently um, salvaged. Um, it can be in roughly 80s Bronica medium format camera, or it could be like the, the EM10. So like, you know, when people say, I see your pictures, I really like them. It's just like, got to be a little more specific because sometimes it's digital, sometimes it's my phone, and sometimes it's a, a instant camera. So, you know, it, it's it, it's a tough question to answer. Um, and for, for the most part, most people would do well with uh, like... Um, a high-end point-and-shoot, even though they don't seem to, um, they can't justify the cost versus, like, a DSLR. So, you know, and I think, you know, we should probably jump into something like that at a, at a later date, you know, now that, that we're talking about it, because I'm kind of getting way deep into weeds here. Well, well so how, how much of it really comes down to a photographer, though? I mean, for example, you give Joe Blow this super nice camera and the, you this off-the-shelf piece of crap. You're probably still going to take better shots than him, even with that nice camera, because you understand what's necessary, right? Yeah, there's definitely that. Um, you know, there there is there is an understanding of the basic principles of photography that a lot of people don't get, but I think a lot of people seem um, are understanding them on a subconscious level because of their phones. Like I I don't I won't say that everyone's a photographer per se, but everyone is learning photography. So, you know, one of the things that I personally can't do well is take a selfie. But I know, you know, teenagers that, like, have an amazing selfie game. You know, it, it's, and it sounds trivial, but the fact is that, you know, it, it's, it's understanding photography, photography through different lenses. Well, even if they can't articulate it, they may understand that, hey, this is a good shot versus, hey, this is not a totally not good shot. Right, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, like, so just kind of circling back to the original question, like I've been shooting with the, uh, the Olympus EM10 Mark III since 
about a week before uh, Christmas, maybe not even that that long before Christmas, but it's basically from the end of December till now, um, I've been pretty much carrying it with me every day. So that's one of the things I do like about the camera. It has like this really old school retro style. Um, like if you, if you can remember like, um, like those old silver chrome colored, um, 35 millimeter cameras with the little like hump in the middle. Um, it, ha it has that similar type of styling. Um, lots of like, uh, dials and knobs at the top, which I personally like. It's aesthetically pleasing to me. Um, and the best part about it is that I can carry this thing in a jacket pocket. So, you know, like, whereas... If you have like a traditional DSLR, you are probably carrying a dedicated bag or you're throwing it in your backpack um, or carrying it around your neck. Um, this one fits in my pocket. Like I, I literally walk the streets with it in my pocket. I'll pull it out if something kind of catches my attention, take a couple snaps and then just kind of move on like, like nothing's ever happened. Um, the other thing that I, I recently got, I backed... Um, I was a, a Kickstarter backer for uh, Lomography's uh, Instant Camera. They have a new um, square format Instant Camera. And it's pretty much a lot like, you remember the Polaroids from back in the day? Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, so it's basically that uh, similar format. Um, basically, you put in the film, the film cartridge in the back. You get 10 shots and you get these instant, uh, the instant film. Um, it uses uh, Fuji's um, square format instant film, but unlike uh, the Fuji camera that they have that uses that film, this is a 100% analog camera. So the way Fuji's functions is it's a digital camera that uses, um, that uses the film as a printer. So you take a picture, like you, you could even take a picture on your cell phone and then transfer it over to their printer and it'll print um, that image onto their square film. This is different because what's happening here is you're exposing the film directly in the camera. So like light hits the lens, the lens um, transfers that light onto the film and you get your image. So like it's a true, it's like truly like the Polaroid experience rather than the updated version of it. Is it better quality than those Polaroids of old, or how how is the print quality? With so, um, so I did take um, I did post a few pictures up on um, my Instagram a, a while ago, um, and basically what it what it does is it gives it a warmer um, quality than a digital print. So, uh, you know, like if. It's hard to explain, but if you if you can think about um, like if you if you've ever come across those old Polaroids, like they seem kind of not so much weathered, but like they seem like they they were warm, like there was something um, reminiscent, something familiar about it. It didn't look flat; it looked like it kind of had a little depth to it, and it definitely achieves that like you get this this depth that you don't really see in in a digital print um, okay yeah so it's it's like it feels it feels instantly nostalgic like that's that's a really good way to put it like it there's this instant nostalgia that comes to it it's like when you you hit that um when you hit the shutter you get this image and it feels 
it feels familiar, but at the same time, it feels like it happened years ago. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. Like it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, people, you know, like I, I I've gotten a lot of um, a lot of slack from some folks. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are um, big on photography, and most of them are big on on digital. And they're you know one of the biggest questions that I've gotten was, you know, why why go backwards? You know, why why shoot film? It's something that I've been wanting to do, um, you know, more frequently. This year, I kind of gave myself a, a little project where I'll shoot one roll of film a, m a month. Um, and essentially, like, the reason everybody says, like, well, you know, film's so expensive, you know, digital's instant, you have all the stuff for it now. Um, but there's, there's a quality when you get the film developed and you have those prints that you just don't get in in digital and one of the things that I found was that I was taking more photos but I really wasn't um, doing anything with them you know like I, I would have photos of you know just hanging out with friends or um, family events but then they just kind of didn't go anywhere they were on a hard drive they were on my phone maybe I shared one thing on Facebook or something but outside of that like you... I felt like they're, they're, they just kind of get lost you become more aware, more cognizant of the pictures you take on film. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, that. And also, like, um, if you want to be a, a better photographer, if you only have 15 shots, you only have 36 shots, you're, you're more selective. <laughs> you know, you, you don't just um, hit the shutter button and hope it comes out better. Like, you take the time and you, you compose it. But that is what I like. I actually personally like about the age of cell phone photography and everything that you have all these moments that you wouldn't have got with the film cameras of old. Like as you said, the moments of just friends hanging out together and everything. I think I think there's beauty in that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm just happy to to see that more people are are more aware of photography in their lives. So I think you know, like I think. If that's like the, the takeaway we get from all of this, then by all means, it's like, you know, break out your, your Pixel 2, get your iPhone out, you know, get your fancy camera out, get a film camera, but whatever you do, just, you know, definitely be out there and, and you know, shoot. That's the takeaway I actually get from it, just because I've never been a photographer. I've never actually owned a real camera. Mm -hmm. And, but now I have the Nexus 6P. It isn't a great camera. But I've taken significantly more pictures than I have at any point in my life, especially since I got the new puppy last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, puppies, kids, and new relationships are like a surefire way to find you um, taking more snapshots. Yeah, exactly, and I, I love it. I know I wouldn't have captured a lot of these moments had I been with the, had I used the film cameras of old. Oh, yeah. No, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I. Well, no, I know for a fact. Um, in high school, I did walk around with this kind of um, uh, 35 millimeter point and shoot. It was, I guess, like for its time, it was kind of a, a big deal. Um, but I never really thought about it. It was just one of those things that I, I kind of had with me. And and I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I, I pretty much used it so I, I can get, like, you know, um, people to take pictures, like, around me. Like, it was that was it. It was just to kind of get get friends to just kind of goof off and instead of being in class 
<laughs> that that is that is a really clever way of approaching that though. That was. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's just like you you do. It, it's it's amazing what the teenage mind will will do to you know skirt responsibility. Well, I especially find it interesting because I have a lot of my mother's old photo albums. And there's, like, gaps in our lives. Like, she took a ton of pictures when we were babies. And then other pictures at life events, but there's, like, no in-between shots. So I've always, yeah. I've always found that interesting. And found the smartphones way of... The fact that smartphones have changed that so much. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but I will, will strongly, you know, advocate for people to... Even if you go to Walgreens and, you know, you use their little kiosk print your pictures from time to time because there's there's there is something about that physical tangible photo like you said like you go through the photo albums it's just like in in 10 years we don't know if you know you'll still have like that hard drive that has like you know that baby shower or you know that wedding or you know like that one night that everybody went out for pizza and you know just got silly well, my, yeah. fia- my fiance actually did that a couple of years ago. We have some of those multi-collage picture frame things in our house. Yeah. And when she did it, I was like, why are you doing this? We actually have all these pictures on our hard drive. We can look at them anytime we want to. And then she did it. And it, I don't know, it brought a warmth. Like when I walk by, I can look at the shots and remember those specific moments without actually having to search for them. Yeah, it, it's. I'm telling you, it's um, it, it's amazing what what you know what you lose to you know the gigs and gigs of available storage, you know. But like you said, like I've noticed that you know from maybe 2000 to 2010, you know, a big chunk of my life, you know, it happened. But you know, like there were no pictures, you know, like, and and it's not anyone's fault. It's just that you know we no one was thinking about oh you know, we should take a picture of this. So, but um, without going down, um, getting too nostalgic, um, I think we're reaching that point where we should uh, start thinking about signing off and letting folks know, once again, who we are, where they can find us, and uh, what to expect for the next show. So uh, first, let me just say thank you all for listening. Um, you can join us again next month. We'll, it'll be the, we'll be recording the last Sunday of February, um, and it will be available the first, uh, the last Monday of February. Um, Paul, where can the folks find you? Well, I'm on Twitter at, uh, Combs Paul. That's my personal one. I also manage the social media for our, our pod, my podcast. It's, uh, twitter.com slash CNC Geekcast. And I'm always tweeting, I'm always having fun talking about movies and talking about tech. It's been a lot of fun talking about Alberto or talking to Alberto about tech just because that's another passion of mine. Awesome. Thanks. Um, thanks again, Paul. And when can they catch new episodes of the CNC Geekcast? Well, we unfortunately, the first of the year happened and we've been having some issues with our release schedule. But going forward, we're going to try to get the epi- episodes out every every Tuesday or at the most every other Tuesday. Awesome. Um, and again, this is Alberto Lima. You can uh, find me on Twitter at, at Al Wright. So that's at A-L underscore W-R-I-T-E. Um, you can find the Noisecast at Noisecast on Twitter as well. 
Uh, you can find us at the Noisecast on Facebook and Instagram. And um, you can look forward to one episode every month towards the end of the month. Thanks for listening and uh, be safe. All right. Um.